You are listening to the TF Cast, a Mankato-based arts and culture podcast where we hear stories of upcoming projects and get to know the people making things happen all across southern Minnesota. This episode was recorded January 13th of 2021. Alright, everyone ready? Yeah, man. Thumbs up, thumbs up. Cool. Well, hello and welcome to episode 28 of the TF cast. We're back. And uh, with us today, we have our friend uh, Colin Scharf. Tell us what you've been up to. Wow. What haven't I been up to? Um, Probably a lot. I, guess. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't climbed a mountain. I haven't. Um, I didn't ride my bike thing today so i gotta do that um more broadly speaking i guess just in a nutshell i'm coming off a lot of um really big uh projects um i spent the back half the better half i should say of 2020 recording uh the river city holiday christmas album featuring all local artists from you know from mankato um i put together a little music video little by which i mean album length music video um for the album um and yeah, I'm sort of in the middle of recording my solo album uh, as well. So the older brother, this would be silver summer. Actually, yeah. we can kind of untangle that, that little knot right there later, but yeah. So, you know, a lot of creative projects, um, are sort of happening for me right now that I'm, I'm uh, pretty excited about. Cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Thanks. The, uh, sh- we should, well, maybe we can revisit the Christmas album, mm-hmm. or should we get into that right away? I'm curious. I, w- I want to talk about that right away. Sure, um, let's do it. That that was a year long project, right? I st- well, start to finish. Uh, I, I took the job, you know, got hired to do it in November, I believe, of, of 2020, 2019. I uh, kind of signed the contract with the Free Press um, and sort of got that set into motion, um, and was really my plan was to record, you know, starting in the winter of 2020, kind of like February, March, I really wanted to do it right away because I knew it was going to take a a while. Um, And then the pandemic hit. And so I just sort of had to say, everybody had to kind of like, you know, come out from under the, the, our little hidey holes, if you will. Um, And the dust had cleared and it was late May, early June. And um, it seemed safer you know, to kind of get together and um, start recording. So, yeah, I, I recorded the first track with Stacey K in, I think, late May um, and uh, mailed the master copy of the CD to the CD pressing plant on, I think, November 2nd, maybe November 4th, you know, early November. So, yeah, really May through the end of October, I was going all out with this Christmas stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And you had to hunt out all the talent for that or was there some kind of a process for how that worked? Yeah, so 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 the idea, you know, Rob Murray was the sort of Rob Murray formerly of the Free Press um was the sort of genius behind the whole thing uh you know in in spearheading it and in the initial reach, the initial outreach to artists um he he had a handful of artists in mind uh and then you know I was talking to Laura you know, my wife, Laura, of course, Laura Schultz, uh, uh, talking with Laura a lot. And we were like, Oh, what if we had this person? And what if we included that person? And so between Rob's initial, I think six, and then Laura and I brought in, um, what's 13 minus six, seven, <laughs> seven more artists. 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. So it it felt it felt important to include the other people, the other artists that we we brought in. Um, we were really trying to kind of get as many different folks as we could in on the album. Um, and of course, you know, some people weren't able to get in on this one, but we are going to do another one this year. All things, you know, as long as it's all safe to do that. Um, so looking to include even more of, of the local talent for the next one. Is that going to be another free press venture or is this something you're taking up on your own now? This will be, yeah, um, sponsored by the free press. Well, sort of, I, I guess you can kind of think of the free press as sort of like the, like, like the record label or something maybe, you know, so it's like free press records. Um, and then, uh, there were other sponsors who like, you know, kicked in some money to, to help kind of get the whole project rolling. Um, so yes, it would be in, in effect sponsored by the free press, um, and supported by other, other businesses and in places in town. Um, it's, it's, you know, part of the album, but just to like reiterate all the proceeds from the record, um, went to, uh, Connections Ministry Homeless Shelter. And as of two weeks ago, we raised $7,000 for the shelter by selling the albums. So, nice. yeah, so we'll we'll likely, it, it, the next one, you know, will be a, a, another fundraiser as well. That's but, really awesome. Yeah, it was, I'm I just like kind of beside, you know, when, when you finish a big project and you're like, holy cats, I did that, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. and, and of course, like I didn't do it all by myself. It was a lot of, I had a lot of help and a lot of, you know, the, the artists brought me songs that were, you know, already pretty fully realized. And all I had to do was like hit record and then just sort of mix it and sort of make it sound good. Um, but, you know, still like you, you get done doing all that lifting. And I think as soon as I mailed off the album at the, at the start of November, um, yeah, it just, it felt like whoosh, this whole weight was off my shoulders. Yeah. That there's definitely a lot of heavy lifting on the back end of that stuff. People don't don't always perceive that, but it's certainly there. I I wanted to ask too because I I wrote a little thing about that, and mm -hmm. um, when I was looking into it, I I I noticed the the thing with the free press bringing it up, and I I wondered what do they have? They what what was that part of them that? Uh, makes albums or do they have a more creative end that isn't just sure yeah so um for a while a few years ago we uh goodnight goldust may have played the first one um god i think this is 2013 um the free press was trying to do what well, was doing they weren't trying they were doing it they, they were doing a sort of like a tiny desk concert you know kind mm -hmm. of thing um i remember obviously goldust played um i know b-bomb fields played the Fry played, of course. Um, well, the band formerly known as The Fry, now Joe Tugas and Associates, uh, Joe and Ann uh, played. I, I don't remember quite who else maybe played one, but they were trying to do, you know, the sort of like bring music into the free press, kind of trying to make that happen. Um, and then for a while, Rob Murray was doing a podcast called The Freep Cast, Free Press Freep Cast. Um, and we were on that as well. I, I, I keep looking over here because I'm like looking at Laura, she's sitting over there. Um, we were also on that uh, a couple of years ago. Um, so yeah, so, you know, they've definitely like tried to, and, you know, have succeeded in like incorporating sort of like, a, like an arts department, like, like a live arts kind of thing under the free press banner. Um, but this was a first for them. And uh, it was sort of inspired by, well, it was inspired by uh, another newspaper I'm not sure where, but there was another newspaper, sort of similar market, you know, sort of mid-sized city, who did a 
Christmas record with their local artists. And so I think Rob from the Free Press and I believe the publisher, Steve, at the Free Press were like, what if we did that? And then they approached me and I was like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, they sort of opened a new door for themselves, which I think is cool. Yeah. Seems like a cool idea, cool way to integrate uh, local art music with uh, just topical good timing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So for working with such a, I guess that's that seems wild to work with such a range of musicians. What what was it like uh, getting getting studio time with all these different different kinds of musicians with different backgrounds, different styles? Was there challenges associated with that or? Um, what I liked about working with everybody that I worked with is, is that they are, you know, some of the heavy hitters, I guess, of, mm -hmm. of our, of our local scene. So they've all been in the studio, they've all recorded, they've all, you know, written and then edited and then rewritten and sort of shaped their music down to, you know, it's, it's essential being right. So mm -hmm. all of that to say, um, there were, everybody that I worked with was well-practiced, was, was rehearsed. They knew they, they hit their marks. Right. And so that made it really easy for me when you get a group mm -hmm. in the studio, you know, that just is, is, you know, rehearsed and practiced and, and prepared. It's fun. You know, you, you can get creative then, you know, I, I remember working with Stacy K on that first track and, um, you know, we did drums and, and sort of the, the, like, the, like, foundational stuff at, at my studio, you know, drums, bass, guitar. And then I was having some weird, like, like background noise issues at my studio. So I said, let's go to Scheidel's. There's a quiet room there. Uh, there's, there's, there's an ISO booth there. So we'll go to Scheidel's. We'll do the vocals there. And then she knocked out the vocals in an hour. And then I was like, well, we've got a whole music store. Let's see what else we can add to this track. So we put piano, we got a little glockenspiel, um, mm. you know, just little things like that. So what I loved about this record was just the ease with which I was able, with which I was able to work Oh boy. I loved how easy it was to work with these artists <laughs> uh, because everybody was just super professional, I guess, is kind of what it boils down to. They all, they all came prepared and they came to play, if you will, um, from, you know, the, the, the guys from City Mouse, um, Billy and Ronnie and, and Dave Pengra. There was this incredible sensation when they, when I had the headphones on and they were doing their, their harmonies, you know, live for this track it was, it was like, my God, these men have been singing together for, I think, I thought it was 40 years, but I think it's 50 years, actually. Mm. Um, they've been, they're like brothers, you know, they have this like blood harmony just sort of from the decades of singing together. And I got chills, you know, you, you don't think you're going to get like chills from hearing three, three dudes like sing a Christmas song, but my God, it didn't matter what the, what they were singing about. It was just being in that room and hearing their voices, um, like, the the history of their voices together it was just spectacular uh and then when i worked with the mukamuri sisters um maya and Aaliyah, you know these uh, speaking of blood harmony like their sisters are actual sisters and their harmonies i felt like i was at a private i felt like i should have paid money to have seen them perform in my studio because they were just so good mm -hmm. it was it was just fantastic so not only was it an easy experience you know like in terms of um recording and tracking people it was also just a deeply gratifying experience um, working with such a wide array of, of the musicians and, and really, you know, friends in town, uh, many of whom I haven't seen play uh, in at least a year. Yeah. Wow. It's awesome to hear. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for sharing some of those stories. Why don't we jump into 
so tell me a little bit more about the Silver Summer Project uh, and how that is separate from Older Brother. Mm. Um, yeah, every, just, let's get into that. Sure. Branding is everything, isn't it? You, you just, you know, you, you make the Facebook page, you play a couple shows and suddenly <laughs> you're like, oh, I started a new thing that's sort of piggybacking off of this other thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and now I have these two, you know, sort of social media presences. Do I close one? Do I merge them? What do I do? Mm. I guess you could call an older brother show like me performing solo. Um, when I was last on, on, when I last worked with you guys or hung out with you guys and, and, you know, played, that was right at the beginning of the pandemic. It was was like, should I do this? I don't know. Um, you know, me with, with my electric and the sort of sampler and all that hoo-ha, all that, um, hoopla. Not hoo-ha. That's that's another word. Sorry. I'm looking at Laura. She's like, not that one. (laughs) You don't get out much, you know. Um, older brother, yeah, I, I suppose you could call older brother like me solo. Um, you know, like if I had a cool name like, uh, you know, John something or other, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> John Hua. John Hua, right. If I had a cool name like that, I might go by my name. <laughs> but I don't have a cool name. I have my name and my name is fine and I, I'm okay with my name. But, older you know, you works. when you're performing solo, I would rather, you know, as somebody coming from a band background, mm-hmm. um, I, I always like sort of that, like sort of name, the band name is cool to me. Um, and so, yeah, so you can call older brother, like my solo project, I, I guess the like official me by myself project, uh, silver summer is, is myself on vocals and guitar, uh, Hannah Cesario on synthesizer and, and, and vocals, uh, Ed Avila plays bass, um, and Tyler Vaughn plays the drums and silver, silver summer was, kind of a challenge actually um in god laura was it uh i'm looking at laura again here was it um was it 2018 that we said let's start a band no 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 it 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 was it was like fall 2019 yeah laura and i were talking to our good friend david rogers who um is who is now doing music again you know a lot um uh we were talking to david um and we said, hey, David was trying to do a solo project. He was, he, was, he was wanting to get back into music after being out of being playing music for, you know, decades, maybe, maybe 15 years or so. Um, David wanted to get back into music and he was sort of talking to us and Laura and I were like, well, I, I have this handful of songs that don't really have a home. Laura's got some songs that don't really have a home. You know, they're, they're not Gold Dust songs. They're just sort of floating out there somewhere. Um, we're not performing them with gold dust. So like what, so like, I think Laura said like, what if we just start side projects? And I was like, that sounds cool. So yeah. Um, I called up Ed and Tyler and, and I was like, I, I know I want a synth on this too. And I know Hannah, I know her really well. I know she's a great piano player and I'm, I, I'm sure she can figure this out. And so Ed and Tyler and Hannah and I got together. I said, here are my songs. And it just clicked. Mm-hmm. I, I have, I was having so much fun with that group. Um, I had such high hopes, you know, for 2020 to sort of be the year where, um, you know, we put out singles and we maybe release an album and then we get some attention and all this sort of fun stuff that comes along with being in a new group. Mm -hmm. Um, and then of course the pandemic happened, but yeah, Silver Summer is, is a band. It's, it's a four piece group. Um, songs are a little different. The, the, I play the same songs in Silver Summer and Older Brother, but, uh, you know, Silver Summer obviously is the full group. So it's a bit grander and it's, in it's uh, ability to be a big sort of sound. 
that's cool yeah i not i kept getting hung up on the the thing you were saying earlier about uh splitting names for projects i thought about that a lot and how creating a name for a solo project can help separate it from your like day-to-day experience kind of like i don't think anyone wants to go out on a stage and be the person that they are in the car or something i don't know i think it really helps to have a a persona to kind of stand behind for that kind of thing yeah 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 that's cool yeah totally yeah you 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 like it's not like you're putting on a cape and like you know tights and some sort of like muscle suit or something and like being a different total person a mask you know but you know you kind of kind of right right you get up there your guitar is on or you're you're playing you know you got your your turntables and stuff and Mm -hmm. you are suddenly somebody else Mm -hmm. whether or not you you think it or not, you know, you, you, you become a different part of yourself and, and yeah, it, it is cool to have that name, like sort of there to mm-hmm. at least make you feel a little more comfortable in, in that new reality. And I think the same thing can happen with a, with a band, a group of multiple people is you kind of form an identity as that group and mm-hmm. you develop a way of being a way of interacting with a, with a stage or your instruments that's yeah. kind of unique to that that particular combination of people and sounds. Yeah, 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 totally. I, I, you know, my favorite band is, is, and it kind of has always been the clash. And one of the reasons I, I, I like them so much and, and sort of bands like the clash, like you can look at the strokes, uh, I guess like Sleater Kinney, even, you know, just sort of groups like that, where it's always that lineup. It's always that four or, you know, three or, 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 um, five people, right. They're, they're a gang. They're a sort of unit, right. You can't have one without the other, right? And I, I just always love groups that are a band where everybody is is like in it together, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, again, like doing a solo project kind of thing. I've, I've never quite been a solo guy. I've always been a little like nervous about it for various reasons. Um, I've always liked to sort of hide behind the sort of sound and energy of, of, of a full group. Um, but the more I performed solo with the older brother thing, I think I did like three, maybe four shows as older brother before the pandemic happened. Um, you know, you, you begin to be like, oh wait, it is kind of cool to also play solo because you can like do whatever you want. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But naturally I, I miss gold dust. I, I, I miss silver summer uh, a lot. Those are, mm-hmm. I almost can't think about it cause it starts to hurt <laughs> a little too mm. much. It certainly comes with a little bit more vulnerability. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's just you out there. Yeah, definitely. I got a question for your uh, Silver Summer. You said you're recording that album, or is it kind of... Yeah, um, yeah, right. That? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, um, I uh, was lucky to win uh, a pair of arts grants in 2020. I, I picked up a um, Prairie Lakes Regional Arts Council grant, um, and then I also, in December, you know, got notification that I was, that I had received uh, a Minnesota state arts board grant. So, you know, a couple thousand dollars sort of coming my way here this last year into this year, um, to help me buy the gear that I need to make this record, you know, uh, that, that was sort of the idea. And, and really had it not been for the pandemic, I probably would have written the grant, the grants to be like, I'm going to use this money to go work with the guy that we recorded the gold dust records with. I'm going to go to a studio, you know, bring the band and go to the studio and kind of do it that way, do it the traditional way, if you will. But, you know, people aren't going into studios, you know, as, uh, excitedly as they were, you know, in, in, in the days of, of yore. Uh, and so that coupled with the, you know, I, I feel like it was a, it was a, it was a hit. The Christmas album. I feel like I did a decent job with that. Um, that experience that I had, you know, recording and mixing and producing that record, 
you know, has given me the confidence that I can put this energy into the Silver Summer stuff and kind of make that sound pretty good. I will say, though, that I that I've started recording the Silver Summer record and I have I have I, I just have to do vocals and guitar on on the first single, you know, and I am terrified <laughs> to record my own parts for for this this track because it's just me you know like producing my music and there's this like sudden like creative wall that i'm experiencing so if anybody wants to like sort of sit in the back of the room and like encourage me when i <laughs> am recording these parts i i, I uh, you know you can come on over <laughs> mm, that's interesting yeah if, what how many Hmm. Never mind. I have a good question about that. Sure. Um, but I'm curious about the the process you go for recording, I guess, and how it differs when you're recording just yourself. Or I know you did a lot with Goodnight Gold mm-hmm. Dust too. Well, I think you went into some studios for that. Yeah. But just like the different things you notice when recording with, uh, like I guess as a producer for the Christmas album mm-hmm. or. Um, as a, a front man for the band, kind sure. of, and how that differs. Yeah, um, I, I am not the first one to say it, but, you know, the old saying goes, you should never produce your own album. <laughs> mm. And I was like, ah, no, I'll be fine, I'll be fine, that, that's fine. <laughs> but, you know, just to kind of reiterate what I said a second ago, like, it's scary because you're the only one, you know, if, if you allow yourself to be, you're the only one who has the final say in how the mic is positioned and how the levels are leveled and all the different settings and things like that. And if it sounds like crap, it's on you. (laughs) Um, And if it sounds good, it's on you. So, you know, obviously there's, there's a positive and a sort of potential negative there. Um, But I started out, you know, years ago, uh, I started recording when I was like 15. We got this huge, my, my, my buddies and I, we had our little punk band in the garage. We somehow pooled together $200 to buy this giant PV uh, like live mixing board. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had, I had a Shure SM58, like this mic here, mm-hmm. plug it into channel one, stick it in the middle of the room, turn it up. And then we had an RCA out, you know, the red mm-hmm. and the white to go to the eighth inch line in on the Dell or whatever gateway computer we had. Mm-hmm. Some godforsaken, you know, relic of a recording program. You hit record. It sounds like garbage but you know to your 15 year old years you're like that sounds cool because that's our we band made that. Yeah, yeah 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 so i cool. yeah so like that's that's kind of where where i got started and then you know uh going into college i i got a uh, task camp four track i wish i still had that thing mm. it was so cool um because records to cassette just a really great little like private recording you know little recording station um and then you know you get into the usb interfaces and it took me a really long time to like get into the USB stuff. I was recording when I moved out, I brought my Behringer eight channel again, live mixing board. And I was still running the RCA out into my, my Mac laptop. Um, I did, God, I did the first gold dust record with that. I did an album from my buddy, Jordan Carr like that, you know, Mm. uh, just horrendous, you know, like equipment, but You'd, I, I, you know, I did it and it sounds fine. Um, mm-hmm. and so you fast forward to, you know, 2020, um, because of, because of the grant and some of the, and then the funding for the Christmas album, I was able to pick up a lot of really nice, you know, like upper mid level kind of studio gear. Um, and that you really begin to notice just how much better you can make things sound when you have a little bit better gear and how much 
less work you have to do like later on, right? Mm. A, a good preamp, a good mic, a good performance, and you don't have to touch it in the mixing stage, like maybe a little bit. Um, your question though, I, I think was like, what's the difference between, or what are some of the differences between recording another group? Yeah. yeah and recording when, yourself. When you're forward in the project versus kind of a yeah organizer. Yeah. When, when yeah, like what I liked about the Christmas album, you know, it, again, was that everybody kind of came prepared. Um, there was a little bit of back and forth, you know, about some of the stuff. Um, like, what if you do this? What if we do it like this? Or what if we try it like that? Or, But really it was a lot of like, oh, what if we also added this? It was a lot of like creative addition kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you work with a group and, and you're like, what if we like kind of tighten this up a little bit more, you know? And I, I also really like that. I, I like bands. I like helping bands kind of bring, you know, what the song is to them at the moment and then trying to like find the actual, you know, album sort of record sounding song. Cause there's a huge difference, right. Between the, like the live song and then the, the recording, you know, the live song can go on as long as it wants, but the recording, you know, three, four minutes is like, I think a pretty decent amount of time. Mm -hmm. Um, so I like that sort of, producing aspect um and then when that transfers into like working with myself you begin to have like like options fatigue i think is the phrase mm. uh there's so many different ways to approach it and you're the only one that's like in the room um and so i might have to bring in somebody like honestly to help me like do my parts for the silver summer record um just just so that i don't like freak out and like leave the room <laughs> yeah mm. but um I don't know if that answers your question. It does. I okay. mean, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And in my experience too, with uh, recording yourself and diving into some things like that, it is really easy to get caught up in all the possibilities and, yep. and with no one to be like, shut up. It was right the first time yeah. or like, no, you probably shouldn't add that extra reverb. Like <laughs> it's just, it's helpful. To yeah. To some totally. Feedback. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of like a visual artist, like, like, you know, like literally practicing on themselves, like drawing their own hand or like drawing a self portrait or painting a self portrait, right? Like, you know, you, you mm -hmm. have to sort of, you are yourself as the artist. So it's, it's good to, you know, practice with your own art. Uh, and I guess in the case of being a, a musician slash, you know, recording person, like, you know, record yourself, get yourself sounding as much as good as you like it. Um, but when you, when your recording projects become like the project, like this is going to be my album, um, then the stakes get a little higher. And then for me, it, it becomes a little more like, maybe I should step back from this. I don't want to mm. make the wrong decision. You know, mm. I don't want to sign off on that guitar tone that like actually sucks <laughs> <laughs> or that vocal take that could have been, I, you know, I, I don't know, things like that, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it, it is. And, and I, I, I guess just to kind of maybe cap off this sort of discussion here. Um, I have a lot, I, I have a, a handful of, I have a pair, I should say a pair of friends. Well, maybe a trio with, with Laura, she's back over there. Um, trio of, of people with, with golden ears, you know, so to speak. Um, my, my, our, our, our dear friend and uh, former bandmate, Zach Arney is a wonderful producer, mixer, you know, engineer and in his own right. And he's, like taught he's taught me so much about how to do recording stuff like if it weren't for zach this christmas album i don't know it would have sounded okay but you know zach really taught me a lot just we had email conversations we would facebook and um do zooms and stuff just about little techniques here and there mm. um so a, a lot of of 
a lot of the way that I can work now is because of Zach's uh, help. And then our, our friend Scott Laguerre um, is also a, he's a professor at MSU. He's, he's been a huge, huge help. Um, just sort of in sort of like a guru-y kind of like mentor way, um, sort of handing down knowledge, like try this, try that, you know, what if you pull out the drums here? Oh my God, I never thought of that. You know, like little things like that, that he just has up in his, in his head. And then of course, Laura, you know, she's just a great musician, a great musical thinker in her own right. Um, and I'm always like, Laura, does this sound cool? And she's like, if she says, yeah, and walks away, then I'm like, okay, okay, I think it sounds cool. But if she goes, well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> then I know that like, okay, okay, it's, it needs some work and that's, you know, mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, there's, uh, it, it takes a village <laughs> yeah. to well, make a record. <laughs> it's important to have a little bit of feedback too. Cause oh, big time. I've, you know, you'll even do something like you'll, you record something and then you'll go to bed and you'll wake up in the morning and you listen to it back and it's not, I mean, one can assume it's the same thing that you yep. recorded last <laughs> night, but yep. Yep. sometimes yep. you're pretty convinced that somebody changed it. Yeah, I know, I know, I, I, I fully agree. I, I was trying to figure out for one of the songs that I played earlier, um, or one of the songs that I played anyway, um, you know, for, for, the, for the cast here, mm -hmm. uh, I listened to the, to, to the demo of it that I recorded over the summer, and I was like, all right, yeah, this song's cool. And then I was like, oh God, who mixed this? It sounds horrible. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely hear you on that for sure. It was in my laptop. That's right. Some last some, night. Some, some marmal in there. <laughs> oh no. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, always, if we're, if we're moving on to the next topic, I, I think it was writing. Was sure. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Shoot, um, man, I'm, I'm here. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Um, well, tell us about your writing. I, I, I'm kind of like a little bit, I, I, I just heard that reading earlier sure. and like that, that's what I have in my mind right now, but you have a, like kind of a diverse, you use short stories, poetry, other, just tell us about yourself. Sure. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I do this sort of scale, right? So like my whole life, I think since I was like probably a child, like at least since I was five, I, I wanted to play guitar from, I think the time I turned five, because the Ninja Turtles had a band and that was freaking cool. And so I, I wanted to play guitar, but at the same time I was like writing scary stories, right? Like R.L. Stein kind of stuff like that, you know, mm. and like Ghostbusters was this whole kind of, obviously this whole thing that really impacted me and still does to this day. Um, so yeah, so like music and writing have always been sort of like vying for my attention. And when I say writing, you know, I don't mean just like writing lyrics. I mean like actually, like I want to write books, I want to write stories, mm -hmm. uh, but I also want to play music. Um, and you know, I, I initially wanted to go to undergrad for sound recording. That was like my, my plan. I, I was, I uh, went to SUNY Fredonia, uh, which is where Dave Fridman, who produces the Flaming Lips, you know, take him or leave him. Mm. Um, Fridman taught at Fredonia. And so it was like, well, Dave Fridman's the man, you know, and I, I really wanted to get in the sound recording program, um, but I just couldn't, you had to get into the music program and I didn't play anything like classical well enough to get in. I suppose if I tried harder, I could have done it, but you know, an English major seemed like a, an easier alternative. So I, I, I switched over to English, um, you know, thinking, well, I'll just be a professor. And then lo and behold, that, that's sort of what panned out for me. Um, but along the way, you know, you start, you sort of have that energy, you know, you read the beatniks when you're like 14 or 15 and suddenly you're, you think you're Jack Kerouac or Allen Ginsberg and you're like running around writing your travel poems and all this garbage. Um, and your heart gets broken and you have to write about that too and, and all these things. And so, yeah, so I, as like a teen, I guess you could say, like 
16 around that age. I, I was writing a lot of poetry, um, which is just, I would not want to read it now. I'm sure it's just like horribly embarrassing. Um, but you know, that sort of evolved into a little more refined poetry, I guess. Um, in undergrad, uh, I had some, I had some really nice teachers in undergrad who, who, you know, helped me sort of figure out, uh, how do you actually say what you want to say? And and then how do you do it? Um, and then by the end of undergrad, yeah, I was, I was, my writing professor in, in Fredonia was like, what are you, what are you doing for grad school? And I was like, well, I have an application out to a school in New York city. Um, haven't heard back yet. And she's like, you should apply to the school in Mankato, Minnesota. And I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> it's like, I never, I didn't know what the hell Minnesota was, you know? Um, this, you know, you just, you don't travel a whole lot and you're like, I don't know where the hell I'm going. Or I don't know where Minnesota, I thought Milwaukee was a state for a while. Nope, I know, Laura's like, oh God, she's from Wisconsin. So she's like about to throw a dart at me or something. About to throw a cheese head at me. Um, so, you know, so then I, the school, and so this is a long story, but this is getting to the, your answer, I, I hope. Um, you know, writing was with me the whole time. It's always been there. I've always wanted to like sort of, I don't, I don't know why, you just have this desire, this this sort of like something inside of you is like, tell the story write the thing, you know? And, um, that desire led me to Mankato in 2007, which, you know, what, 12, 14, 13 years later, 14 years later, has me sitting right here in this chair with you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, writing, I actually had a really good conversation with a friend with, with one of my closest friends, um, for about an hour this morning, he's also a writer, uh, and he's a sort of a horror sort of genre writer. And, um, you know, he's, he's really, really great, really creative, really just wild zany ideas. Um, and he called me this morning and he said, Colin, I'm fried. <laughs> so what do you mean, John? He goes, look, man, I've been trying every day this week and last week to, to, to write my new book. And I just, can't do it. I hate everything I'm writing. And I said, you know, John, I've, I've in so many different, in, in different ways, I've been there. I understand it. Um, sort of like a creative burnout, you know, if you will, um, you just get to a point where you're like just completely fried. Um, and my story with writing, I guess, is, is one of maybe burnout. Yeah. Like you go through four years of undergrad, you're writing every day, you're trying to write, trying to write, imagining the books you're going to publish when you are in your sort of salt and pepper days, you know, or whatever. Um, and then you get into grad school and your workshops every day and everybody's telling you how much your writing sucks and how you should be doing this or doing that. And then you get out of that and you're like, all right, now I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to be a writer for real. I'm going to publish the book. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, get the novel and have a TV deal and all this stuff. And I was really trying to do that for a really long time. Um, the, the first grant, the first two grants, actually, just to sort of like really kind of frame it, the first two arts grants that I won um, were for writing, were to help me um, finish this book that I have going about this band from sort of where I grew up and they go on tour and all these things happen. Um, but writing is, to quote a friend, writing is... Uh, perhaps the most inefficient art form <laughs> in that in, in order to like fully get to the core of the story, you might have to write that story from like three different perspectives and maybe more, you know, and suddenly you're, you're staring at 
you know, a week and a half's worth of work and pages and pages and pages that might not go toward the finished product that just are helping you get to what you actually need to say. And, and then here's me with music going, wow, this is fun. This is really a, a quicker release. You just do it and it's there. And so writing for me for a long time kind of was just tucked under the rug, you know, um, because Goldust mm-hmm. was doing a lot of stuff and that was requiring and really fully satisfying those creative d- desires of mine. Um, and it wasn't until recently that I kind of got back on the writing train and have been sort of trying to take that a little more seriously, I guess. I just, I just said a lot. So <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't mean to cap that with this, but like you're just, you're certainly a storyteller. Like you, anyone who's like sat and talked with you, um, like you, you have stories that you, I mean, you're, you can tell their stories. Sure. You know? Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, I think anybody, everybody has at least one good story, you mm-hmm. know, everybody has at least one good story that they could write and could be turned into a really beautiful short story or a really beautiful book or a really great lifetime movie, you know, <laughs> like everybody's got that one story, you know, you should write a book about that. And it's like, yeah, do that. Um, and you know, so like, I, I don't find myself any, any different than any other sort of person who wants to, or aspires to be a writer. Um, there's just, I, I don't quite know what I'm trying to say, I guess, but, um, sometimes, you know, you, the, the, it, <laughs> the ideas come out, they hit you and then they just, they find a way out, I guess. And if it's, if it's a story or a poem, it's there. If it's a song, then there it is. If it's a painting, you know, if it's a techno remix, then like there it is, you know, but Mm -hmm. somehow if you have it in you, you, hopefully you're finding a way to get it out. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's a a pretty common theme when we talk with uh, creatives of all types that they're just driven to create and what it is at that moment isn't always what they're so caught up in. It's just that they will, they will create yeah. it. It sometimes the expectations that come with your past work are, are, you know, are not always the most, you know, good thing for that, what that person's creating that moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, you know, what, there's just a whole lot of those kind of stories that we've heard. I did a bad job of articulating. No, no, that, no. It's, it's, it's cool. Like, I, like just to go back to the conversation I have with my friend this morning, he's, I, I mentioned he's a, you know, primarily a sort of horror writer, sort of genre fiction, kind of like UFOs and alien conspiracies and kind of things like that. And, um, you know, he said, I'm trying to write this new book and it's about sort of, you know, I don't quite remember what he said it was about, but you know, like along the same lines of, 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 of his, of his previous work, kind of that in that horror genre, which is great. And I've written a handful of, I, I, I love that sort of genre as well myself. I, I think there's a lot of beauty in there that you can sort of find some really cool stuff. But I said like, you know, John, like maybe it's not, maybe it's not that you're tired of writing. Maybe it's just that you're tired of writing like this type of story. Maybe you should try to write something that isn't full of blood and slime and, you know, crazy tentacled beasts. You know, maybe you should write something that's, uh, I don't know, a little truer to your, you know, to your experiences like your personal experiences and he's like oh you know i hadn't quite thought about it like that but kind of to go back to what you said like you think you want to tell it one way but maybe it wants to come out another way mm-hmm. yeah mm. well and and to go back to what you said too like there is a way there's a story that everyone can tell and or could tell yeah and really just figuring out how it's best conveyed mm-hmm. with with your own skills talents and interests and then 
something to do with the story. Yeah, finding, yeah. Finding a way to make it happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, for me, for some reason, I've, I've, I can sort of make a movie if I want to. You know, it's of course not going to be some grand like cinematic you know, beautiful dream experience. But, you know, I, 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 I've been able to cut together footage to sort of tell a story with video and, and film, mm. you know, obviously writing uh, and, and music. I was painting for a while when I was younger, but like that is, I, I love painting. I love visual art. I just like, I think it stopped for me. I just like stopped being able to be satisfied or happy with what I was producing and sort of mm. counting that out of, of my artistic output. Laura, I should mention, is a really fantastic painter. She, I, I really like a lot of the stuff that she's been doing. Um, but yeah, you know, so I, I feel, I guess just to speak personally, I, I do feel kind of, um, what's the word? It's, it's not blessed, but it's like fortunate maybe. <laughs> blessed. I feel fortunate that, I, that I've been able to have the time and the support throughout my life to be able to, to like develop various skills to be, you know, creative in, in different ways. Um, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people who, who are like, oh man, you know, they're like maybe late twenties, early thirties, I, you know, somewhere in that zone, like, boy, I really wish I could play the cello. And I just go like, man, good luck. <laughs> if you want to start doing that now, <laughs> you know, like not that you shouldn't, but I can just say like, I'm really happy that I started with all of these creative things when I did, because, mm -hmm. you know, now I have that foundation and I can just keep sort of jumping off of it. Do you find that your uh, practice of of music and writing for music uh, also uh, relates to like being better at writing uh, poetry? I will say books, that, yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, and thanks. That that's I was I was gonna try to link that up earlier, but I, I lost it. So thanks for bringing it up. Um, when I first met Laura, I was just like astounded at how great her lyrics were and continue to be um as someone who was primarily the like lead guitar player you know in, in the groups that i was in or the sort of like lead like music writer um i always wanted to to be writing the lyric writing and singing the songs too but every time i was like yeah i'm gonna write a song you know i'm gonna write the lyrics every and i i had written you know a, a dozen or so songs um and the lyrics were okay but i had this block in my head <laughs> <laughs> blockhead i had this sort of like like wall up in in my head that was like you can't write lyrics mm. you you your lyrics suck they're stupid you know all, all these horrible like like just like self-defeating kind of things um and it wasn't really until i met laura that i was like just you know talk in in talking with her was i able to sort of transfer the energy because i could i could write a poem i could write a story you know any of that sort of actual writing non-musical non non accompanied by music writing right because I, I there is music in in fiction and in poetry mm -hmm. of course um but you know like you're not going to play your guitar and read your short story you know you're going to write the short story um i could do that just fine that all made sense to me but like the transferring that writing ability to writing lyrics took me until it took me years, a long, long time. And like, you know, meanwhile, you're having little things published here and there. Your poetry is getting published. Your stories are getting sort of recognized for being good stories or whatever. And over here on this side, it's like, what rhymes with, you know, ring? Mm. Boy, I wish I could make this couplet work in this song. Um, and I, you know, I said it again. I'll say, I'll say it again. I'll keep saying it. It, it wasn't until I started working and writing songs and, help, you know, being with Laura that I, I really sort of, let that wall come down in, in my head. Um, 
for like being being a lyricist and there is a definite being a lyricist is an art form i mean it's it's some lyrics are just the line like i'm thinking of jason isbel's if we were vampires i i i could start crying right now thinking about the line in the song where he says uh what the hell does he say he goes um I wouldn't have to hold your hand. Yeah, if we were vampires and death was a joke, we could sit on the sidewalk and smoke. Uh, I wouldn't have to hold your hand, you know, because we're going to live forever. He's talking mm -hmm. about, like, if we were vampires, we would live forever, and I wouldn't have to worry about wanting to be close to you and intimate with you because we have this for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. But because he hit the chorus and he says, maybe we'll have 40 years together, and then one of us is going to say goodbye to another one of us. Like, good Lord. I'm like the mm. power that he packed into that set of lyrics is just stunning. I, I personally, you know, as someone who sees a thing and says, I want to try to do that, like tried a few different ways to like write at that song to like capture that energy. And of course, with some, you know, not at all success, but um, mm. Yeah, so so you know, being a lyricist, being a good lyricist is 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 just a it's not a mystery and it's it's not some like you're born with it. It's there's there's work, of course. Um I don't know, maybe there's a mystery. <laughs> some I, magic. One thing you touched on a little bit that I th I feel like we've gotten into with a couple of these conversations with uh, musicians, painters, people, anyone in anyone doing anything is uh the stories that we tell ourselves. The sure the way that we tell ourselves what we can and can't do and and how that affects our actual ability to do those things that we might want. And so like it's really interesting to try to reevaluate those mm -hmm. as often as possible and not like make sure we're not telling ourselves an outdated story that no longer is helping us. Right. You know? like right. A, I can't sing or I can't learn how to play music. Yeah. Or, yeah. I I could never paint, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but. that's that that's a wonderful way to put it. Those those outdated stories. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly. I think in just I, I keep circling back to my conversation with my friend this morning. Um I think I was talking to Laura about it and sort of recapping and sort of like sharing my own experiences with that sort of sensation of creative burnout like mm -hmm. I can't do it anymore. Does that mean I'm done? Um Ah, mm -hmm. oh, jeez. Yeah. It's, it's just, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's, it's a whole thing. Yeah. You, well, you can, you can certainly let those voices pile up. The ones that are telling, you no. the ones that are telling you you're not good enough or someone's better than you. Cause yeah, there's always going to be someone better than you. There's always going to be a Jason Isbell or, or, you know, whoever who's like writing incredible music. So what? <laughs> they're not writing your song, you know, they're writing their song. So, um, there it, it, it's easy yeah to kind of fall in in into that like well i can't be as good as that person so why should i even try like mm. i think if i don't like do something creative whether it's play a guitar or turn a knob on a reverb plug-in or something like mm. that if i don't do that at least like i don't know once a day man you don't want to be around me you know mm. so i i really think like what were we listening to today, Laura? Like the, the, the guy said, every child should be given a ball of clay, you know, when, when they're kids and just like, just give mm. somebody something to be creative with. And, you know, everything else just sort of goes away. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But it's, yeah, but it's unfortunate when you're right. It's unfortunate when, when, when people get so afraid to be creative, um, whether it's from, you know, probably usually from past experiences that, um, 
are sort of traumatic in, in certain ways that they shut themselves off from that outlet. Yeah, that's. Mm-hmm. A, I mean, it, it's yeah. also just a little bit sad that people think that there's any obligation to be good. You sure. Know? Like yeah. especially mm-hmm. in the it like music is so like basically enjoyable by anyone that just like being bad at it and enjoying yourself like without the constraint of thinking like oh this has to be i mean there's 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 there are bands who are like objectively bad and people <laughs> love them they do yeah like <laughs> i i'm sure i love some of them and oh, like yeah. Yeah. So even if you're even if you're the best, there's someone who's who's worse than you who people prefer. So yeah, like, right. oh, so what like, does it matter? I know, I know. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's that's a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Fully agree. Yeah. I got to swap a battery. Sure. But um, I guess on the on the subject of writing, just to just to throw out this little one here. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, I. I'm happy to say that I wrote my first official book uh, last year, and it should be coming out. It's supposed to be coming out this month. Um, it, it's a, a sort of like a YA um, sports novel <laughs> for for Capstone Press, who is who are based in, in Mankato. Um, uh, the story is about a an eighth grade boy named Luis, who whose nickname is Lucky, um, and Lucky is a really great soccer goalie. But he's also like a really great budding musician, right? And mm. Lucky's dad is like, you have to be on on the team. You got to play soccer. And he's like, but and then Lucky's like, yeah, but man, I really like playing guitar too. And so it's this sort of like, Lucky has this whole struggle between being on the team and being in his new band that he just started. Uh, and it's this sort of whole whole thing. He sort of gets the best of both worlds by the end, um, which is which is cool. But um, mm. yeah for me lately and like i'll just say it and i guess whoever's listening can like feel how they feel about what i'm about to say but i have a hard time writing stuff unless i have a deadline and a paycheck (laughs) 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 because it's just such a time commitment for me you know and there are so many other things barreling down the pipe at me you know that like unless i am being basically employed to write something whether it's an article for a newspaper or 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 magazine or in this case this this book um i just kind of look at writing as this thing that i really really like but i'm kind of afraid of Hmm. but um i i am very happy with with the way that that book turned out and uh i'm excited to get a copy of it whenever it comes out yeah that story is one i think a lot of people can relate to as well because it's really easy to be a kid and find a passion and then find another passion and someone tells you you can't do both yeah you can't yep. change your yep. your interest you have to stick with the one or. yeah or or yeah right because like maybe because like you have a parent who's like i want i want you to be this way and then you're like but i i want to be this way you know and mm-hmm. like how do you please these people and luckily for lucky his grandmother who with whom they also live they, they live with grandma right her grandma lives with them or i forget quite the arrangement but grandma's there and grandma she's cool she was like a jazz singer in new york when she was in the mm. she was younger you know so lucky's kind of got this like he's got this old photograph of of grandma and she's on the stage with the band and she's singing and then this really pretty dress and he's like holy cats you can do that you know and like his, his dad was a sort of like semi-pro soccer player or you know something and so yeah it's uh hopefully if like it's like a fourth and fifth grade reading level so i'm so hopefully there's some little like nine or ten year old that reads this and goes Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I will read that book. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like a good time. Yeah. 
Uh, well, um, why don't why don't we finish it up sure. by? I'm I'm curious to talk a little bit about the the poem you read us at the beginning of the the session. Yeah, it sounds like this the events of this last summer have kind of. I mean, they've been a lot for all of us, I think, yeah. in one way or another. But if you want to just touch on that and uh, some thoughts on that. Yeah. So, I mean, like anybody, you know, my, my emotions were, were no different from anybody else's. Um, I mean, I'm sure there were people who didn't feel the same way that I, and that, you know, we sort of, <laughs> I'm sure there were people <laughs> who who felt opposite of the way they should have felt after, you know, George Floyd was murdered. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I grew up like playing punk rock in this band and the singer, the songwriter of the group was like heavily political. We were a socio-political pop punk, well, no, socio-political crust punk band, right? So we had hooks, you know, we had like sort of like whoa, whoa choruses, but like we were singing, he was writing lyrics about like um, helping homeless people, about like, it's okay to be gay. Like this was one of our songs, um, you know, this is like, 1999 2000 so like you know, that was a really really big kind of like it was still a you didn't talk about that stuff back then you know especially in my rural community where i grew up um so you know so alex his name was alex he, he was always writing really like pretty like socially political socially uh conscious songs you know and i always admired that because again i mentioned my one of my favorite bands is the clash and their whole tack is like you know, political, you know, be political, talk about the oppressive nature of governments and then how, how, how terrible people can be, mm. um, and like rise up and, and, and unionize and, and get together. And so when it comes down to, to me as a, as a creative, as, as a writer, as a musician and all that, I've always kind of struggled to like, to like find a way to write like that. Right. I've, I've always kind of had a hard time like writing politically, or even like broaching any sort of like political thing. One, because as soon as you write something political, it's probably going to be dated, you know, especially the way stuff news moves now. It's like mm. that, that political thing is going to be yesterday's news in three hours, you know? Um, but with, with, with um, George Floyd, yeah, that, that just was shocking. I mean, it was just a gut punch. It was a, it was fucking awful. Um, of course. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I, I know I, 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 um, the, the, I, I was doing this thing that month, this was May where I would get up every morning and I would do, oh, I call them improvisations. Right. And I would just, I would just write, start with some idea. It could be a memory. It could be a dream. It could be just some line that I had in my head. And I, and I would basically write about a page, you know, until I felt like I had said what I had to say. It was just like, get me on a bullhorn, a bullhorn on my soapbox. And I'm just going to like say my piece for 15, 20 minutes in my office and whatever. Mm. Um, but with, with that one, God, I don't even, I mean, I remember where I was when I wrote it. I remember feeling very fucking angry while I was writing it. Um, and very sad while I was writing it. Um, and I was, what I was hoping to kind of, I guess, get a get out was like, I, I, I wanted Derek Chauvin to read it, you know, I, I wanted, mm. I, I was like writing it to him, I guess, like, like you had a chance to be a, a, a decent person. You had a, like your whole life, you've had a chance to be a good human being. And this, you know, is the course that your life took. This is what mm. you decided to do with this fucking life that you've been given. Right. Um, and so I, I, I had it in, in, in mind to write like a companion piece to it. 
Um, and I, I just don't know if, I, I don't know, man, it's like, it's, it's, it's heavy stuff. And I just mm-hmm. don't think I'm, don't quite know how to, how to get in there, you know, and sort of write this, the part two to it. Um, but as far as the piece that I, that I, that I read or will read, depending on where this is framed in the, in the show, uh, the, as far as the, the piece goes, yeah, it, it, um, it was cool. You know, sometimes you can get into that flow state, I guess you can use the phrase flow state, right? And, um, you just find, you just find yourself lost in the middle of, it's a, it's a guitar solo. It's your, you're mixing, you're writing something, you're painting, whatever it is, you, you find yourself lost in it. Um, and that's how I felt writing that poem. It was like every line was the right line to write. You know, I didn't have hardly any, it was only, it wasn't until this morning that I actually combed through it. And I was like, I think I can kind of tighten this up a little bit, cut some of these lines, just sort of mm. cut some of the stuff. And it wasn't even like, like bad writing. It was just like, I just didn't need to go that far with the line. Um, you can think about like a poem or any sort of writing, you know, like I think Miles Davis says, like, it's the space between the notes, you know, like that's mm-hmm. where the music is. It's in the space between the notes. Uh, and sort of like when you apply that to writing, you know, it's about what you're, it's almost about what you're not saying mm-hmm. more than it is about what you are saying. Um, and so with that piece, you know, obviously it hits hard. It's full of stuff. It's full of emotion and full of anger um, and full of just the sort of like elastic springing around of, you know, you're, he, you're imagining being a child. You're imagining this morning, you're imagining the actual act of, of killing a man. Um, so your mind is doing a lot of jumping around, but there's a certain like, like I read it a few times. I think this is the third time that I've read that one. And, and both times I look over at Laura and, 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 you know, she's like just crying both times. And, um, I don't know what to do with that piece. You know, I, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't know where it goes. Is it just for me? Is it just for whoever happens to be in the room when I'm reading it? Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's just, um, I don't know. It's a poem. It's just a fucking poem. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, it's just a poem, but um, obviously it, it's a poem about some pretty horrible stuff. It's interesting to me. You, you said that it was written for Derek. Uh, and and I, I guess what it made me think of was that maybe, maybe it could be written for anyone who's, who's like kind of... I don't know, maybe not him exactly too, but yeah. like maybe someone like him or or someone... Because one of the other things you did there that surprised me was that you like, I don't know, contextualized some of the possibilities of what might have been going on. It, you just gave a couple of options. Like you're mm-hmm. like, this this might be, yeah. might be what's going on. You didn't make it super right. hard right. and firm, but it was kind of like an exploration of what might what his life might be like or yeah. what that experience might be like. Right. Right. And yeah, I like think that's interesting. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, glad to be glad that that came through and that that resonated with you. Um, you know, I, I, I obviously didn't want it to be like, like let's look up this assholes like life and how many kids yeah. does he have? And what's his, what does his wife actually like him? You know, like I, I definitely didn't want it to be so specifically about that guy, you know, but yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that that kind of, carried through because really it's about any person who's about to make because you can imagine you mm-hmm. wake up and then like six seven hours later you're doing something horrible like that <laughs> like it's like how the hell did this happen well, what happened today to get me here man even for yeah. someone 
perhaps who didn't do it, but who, sure. who like felt that in, the, in themselves or who um, considered it or was in a position where yeah. that might have happened. Like it's, it's really, it's an interesting exploration and I think you, you captured it pretty nicely. Well, thank so. you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Thank you for that. And thank course. you for sharing it with us. Of course. Of course. I, 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 sometimes I hesitate to like reveal what the poem's about, but you know, mm -hmm. that one's, that one's a little charged. So maybe it's good to have some context, some actual behind the scenes context for it. Yeah. There's, there's certainly a lot of, um, stuff like that um like for example the the lincoln project stuff that was coming out like mm -hmm. on, on a very grand scale they were pretty open that we produce stuff for an audience of one and that is donald trump sure you know and like that stuff also resounded with people on a national level yeah because it, it was it was relatable just like yep. you know the work that you put together so i i think i think you know sometimes people just need a little help with that um you know getting into other people's headspace right right yeah yeah yeah, totally. Well, we got a we got a couple of songs from you today. That's that right. We will be posting at some point, maybe to lead up, maybe afterward. We'll feel it out. Sure. Thank you for those. <laughs> they were wonderful, okay. and thank yeah. you for the poetry reading. Of course, yeah. Thanks for well, thanks for having me, guys. This was uh, you know, we were going to try to do this last year, and stuff got kind of hairy for us, and here we are today. So it's always a pleasure to hang out with you two. Yeah, we're back for now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. Thank you. Of course. Take care. Thanks for tuning in. You can find show notes for this and every episode at triplefalls.org.